Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkham.com Norwich City podcast. We come to you from a service station, which is always our favourite, at McDonald's this time. I couldn't tell you, Tony, where are we? We're near Norfolk, can't we? In We're between Boston and King's Lynn. There we go. It's a new one. It's nice and shiny, but uh, it's just about, you know, a bit of coffee, a little bit of food, perk us up on the way home from Bramall Lane. Where Norwich lost 1-0, unfortunately, and uh, it was a pretty decent game to be fair, eventful, but it's come at the sort of the end of a, of a long week and we have a uh, road closure on the A47 ahead of us, so we've got a nice little detour through the Norfolk countryside to get us home. Thanks. How are you feeling, Pad, at the end of, uh, <laughs> oh, at the end of this one? <laughs> not in a good mood, not in a good place, it's literally not in a good place wherever we are on the well, A47. 17 still 17 yeah at the moment yeah yeah I'm sick named change I think I've already named him yeah I was going to say Dave's already said it yeah no disgusted with the British road network this is the second time this week as usual yeah it's a set broken Britain as I like to say and it's hard to have the will to go on in this podcast <laughs> if I'm brutally honest because yeah what we saw on the pitch wasn't good enough and uh, just feels like another one ticked off without any progress so okay yeah we'll get into it brilliant what happened midweek game for the ages those 9,000 in attendance we'll never forget they were part of that they'll be talking about that for years to come but reality bit again today and uh the reality, the reality is they're not good enough certainly on the road six goals scored in the Premier League on the road is diabolical and yeah. um, because of that it looks like it's probably going to be a, a one way ticket back to the Champo unlike Sheffield United who are now uh, Champions League bound apparently absolutely that, that place was rocking at the end um, well we'll try not to get too morose uh, because I, I think yeah, that, yeah but you know that's going to be the natural instinct for a lot of Norwich fans at the moment so we'll, we'll try and not look for positives because it's not really that situation but just not get too low about things I suppose and not act like relegation is the end of the world um, I should just uh, interject there and remind you that we're also coming to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM I am your host Dave Freezer. that was Paddy Davitt as I'm sure you all are well aware and we're also alongside <laughs> as ever Tony Thrussell Connor Southwell on our way back from South Yorkshire uh, Tony you were uh, you, you are very eager to tell some kind of tale. Aren't you? Well, he set this up this morning, so this better be good. Now. Mm. This would have been better if Norwich had won. Well, but wouldn't everything. <laughs> following on from the superstitious Leicester game, where I broke new ground crossing the bridge. Yes. The win you're taking credit for. Yeah. So after Spurs, I thought I better what try you, something. What did you do for Spurs? We I, did, I we never got to that. I didn't what do superstition anything. Did you I didn't do anything, balance? but I tried to take something from that day. So I don't know if you noticed, but I'm wearing the same clothes. <laughs> yeah, I've from, definitely noticed that. From Spurs. <laughs> okay. Um, some of it might have been washed. But, but, they, but they didn't win not. at Spurs. But they still went through, technically. <laughs> not, and it was a good day. That's, so that's, I thought that's what that funny smell was. <laughs> I, said, well, I thought I'd try something new. Yeah. Well, something the same as yeah. Spurs. It didn't work, so... So where do we go from here? So we blame you to, for the defeat then? I'm going to have to buy a new outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I tried. I tried. I'm sorry. You did your best, Tony. Connor, on the pitch. Um, thankfully, things haven't got any worse, have they, in terms of the league table, no. apart from there's another game ticked off, um, with West Ham, Watford, Bournemouth all losing. You know, still six points from safety. Uh, Villa play Monday night, don't they, at Leicester. So, you know, we, we still 
we can't say it's done and dusted. They're not dead and buried yet. Um, but it just with every game going past, it's the the degree of difficulty is just getting huge, isn't it? Yeah, I think every knockback feels so massive, doesn't it? When you, when you consider how many games now they have to win, and I think it is going to be what seven from nine potentially. That's that's a massive task for for a club at the the bottom of of any division, let alone the Premier League. Um, I, I think the frustration from my part really is that. Okay, yeah, for the second half they, they did play well, they did change it, they were proactive, they did have good opportunity um, <clears throat> with Dean Henderson's triple save, although as we were talking about coming back from Bramwell Lane, that probably would have been disallowed anyway because uh, Vrancic handled it, didn't he? So the frustration more for me is that what quantifies a good performance because, yes, their passages of play between the box and, and were, were pretty decent, the patterns of play are quite nice, but they're just not ruthless enough and they're not decisive enough. And, and, and you tried to differentiate between Norwich and Sheffield United today the difference was a bit of quality Lundstrom's cross which is unbelievable oh, cross, yeah. and then Sharp just peels off um, and, and nods in and, and that decides the game and that's why Sheffield United are where they are because they keep themselves in games with a solid defensive base and then they have the quality to, to go and impact it and you compare that to Norwich plenty of puff plenty of puff good passages just not enough quality in the final third and, and it's, it's been the story of their season there comes a point where playing well is, isn't really good enough because you need to get something out of that because this isn't a one-off this is a trend it's, it's happened a lot this season and they've, got not, they've not got enough points for, for that perhaps their performances deserve admittedly but that's over a trend so that points to quality that points to, to deeper issues for me so, so that's the frustration but equally as you say it's not over they've, they've still got uh, nine games or, or ten games whatever it is to, to go plus an FA Cup quarter-final so there's plenty to be cheerful about I think it's, it's just frustration more than anything else Okay, we're going to bring you a bit of audio from Tim Krull and Josip Dermic later in the pod. Uh, first time we've spoken to Josip, who um, was still a little bit nervous about his English, but actually he was he was absolutely fine. Um, uh, nothing to really worry about. He just, you know, said go slow with the questions, as it were. But um, he's come into things this week, so we'll come on to that later. But let's just step backwards to the team selection pad. Uh, Daniel Farker goes back to the starting eleven, which um, started against Leicester last uh, Friday and got the win. Uh, despite what happened at Tottenham on Wednesday night, um, you know he had a fair bit to weigh up. Crystal Simmon back on the bench, but really in terms of team selection, um, it didn't really work out against once again a team playing three at the back. No, but I don't think I certainly didn't have any qualms when I saw that drop at two o'clock today because I, that Leicester performance was a good one with and without the ball. Um, clean sheet, got the goal, nice bit of quality. And just all round, very cohesive um, against a very good Leicester side. So yeah, same again, over, overlapping beyond Tottenham because that's a, a game in of itself, different competition. Um, so I didn't have any particular issue. But and, if, and when we get into the game itself, I think don't think you could reproach Farker either is with his selection or what he did within the game. You know, he was proactive. He did try and change things, be it in shape from half time onwards, be it in personnel as the second half elapsed. For me. Four square. You've got to look at the players today. They didn't, didn't deliver. You know um, that front four particularly. Um, you take out the, the, the back four, Cruel and the front two in front. Although Tete, I don't think was was had his best game today necessarily. But the front four. You know, we're talking about a team who can't score goals away from home. So of course the onus has to be on the sharp end of the pitch. And as good as they have been on this journey in the last 12 months, majority of them, Andre Duda obviously only came in in January, but collectively today they, were, they weren't they were good enough. There was a 10-minute flurry, I felt, in the first half. 
where they were making some nice angles and some nice interplay in and around the Sheffield box but not enough and obviously Pukki had a great chance at 0-0 slices it against the outside of a post and that is symptomatic of that man's second half of the season since he damaged his foot broke his toe at Leicester he's not the same player and uh, you know it's rapidly reaching the point I think if if there is going to be any great escape little miracle whatever you want to label attached to it that Daniel might have to grasp a nettle and maybe take him out of the firing line and play uh, Domich because um, he's not offering enough now in the final third. And what I would say in his defence is that increasingly it looks like there was too much of an over-reliance on that man to continue doing what he did in the Championship. And now the fact that he hasn't been able to do it after a very bright start to the season, clearly the other lads in that team haven't stepped up in terms of the offensive output and goal scoring and assists. So... It is a collective, but inevitably, you know, there was a lot of praise came his way this time last season. So you have to start from him and then work your way back. And today, for me, again, it underlined graphically that the top end of the pitch not good enough. Yeah, Krull had already made an early save from Lundstrom's header, hadn't he? And McLean also cleared one off the line. Um, but the goal, Tony, I mean, we've just seen it so many times before, haven't we? They're sort of... Um, vulnerability, I suppose, from crosses coming into the box, and that's what Sheffield United really do well, isn't it? Yeah, you could see it coming um, the five, ten minutes before, yeah, you can. you? It was just a sort of bombardment of set pieces, balls into the box, and Norwich, as they seem to do, just tend to panic. Well, not not panic, but it always tends to be a bit of a scramble chasing for the second ball when it is pinballing around the box. You, you never really feel like they're going to hold out no set pieces all game are they and, no um, Sheffield United second half probably didn't have to go up gears did they they just sort of sat behind the ball let Norwich play it around the back and Norwich had a few chances to triple save aside but again you come away from a game thinking we could have played for another hour there's no way Norwich would have scored that's how I felt yeah. the frustration for me though is, is as we dissecting the goal Exact same creation and execution as down at Car Road. You know, the ball came in, I think it was Bulldog crossed it in front of the River End. Mm. John Egan, was it, or, or Ender Stevens? I can't, can't remember. But they got above Max Aarons at the back post. And um, it was even easier today because Billy Sharp's movement got him free. Mm. Uh, and there was no pressure on the cross either. But he scored a similar one at Car Road last season, Sharp, didn't he? Exactly. He did. Mm. You're right. Yeah, he got him between Zimmerman, I think, on that occasion. So. That's the frustration that you know they know exactly what they were facing today, and yet they they wasn't able to nullify it for the periods of time they needed to. You have to ride out these spells. Inevitably, Sheffield, a they're at home, b they're going very well this season. They're going to have spells, and you're going to be under pressure. And today, they just wasn't able to resist. You know, as Tony said, it was a case of when rather than if. And they were a little bit fortunate that it weathered that initial 10 minute, 15 minutes at the start when there were the overloads were coming in. Max Aaron's and basically needed some more assistance from Buendia um, and they did get away with that but you know they wasn't able to find the solutions required to you know because the, for me the frustration is you leave there and what have Sheffield United had to do to win that game today not a great deal you know that's the problem and as you said about the front four um, when Norwich have had their spells 10 minute spells yeah. they don't score do they that's the, That's the difference. No, and after the goal, their heads all went down very quickly, didn't they? They were all annoyed. They were desperate to get into half-time, really. But when that whistle went, they were relieved, weren't they? It yeah. was not looking good. But 
Um, thankfully, Daniel Farker does react. Um, doing the uh, live updates at pinkin.com, that's one of the things that gets talked about a lot. Daniel's late substitutions or sort of lack of use of substitutions. Straight away reacts. Takes off Todd Cantwell. I think you could have taken off Wendy or Cantwell. They both looked fairly sort of like they were struggling from, from Wednesday night when they in terms of energy. And uh, brings on Dermich and switches to a sort of 4-4-2, doesn't he? 4-4-2 diamond, which is a bit of a throwback to the Lambert days, isn't it? We haven't seen that. Uh, well, I don't think we've seen it before under Farker. I don't Farker playing a diamond, no. no. But that's essentially what it was, wasn't it? And, and we did see a reaction. Norwich had the better of the second half, didn't they? Yeah, I, I thought it was quite clever, actually, because I, I think whereas we all sort of sat scratching our heads a little bit going well you've sacrificed players in wide areas actually what they attempted to do was to stop and we all we hear a lot about Sheffield United's overlapping centre-backs but it's, it, they are part of a wider system to overload the wide areas but essentially it was stopping that as source and to give those three a little bit more to think about and to prevent them bombing on and pushing Norwich's full-backs a bit higher to, to pin the wing-backs back so it was quite clever because it was trying to force the issue a bit more and, and trying to pin Sheffield United back which I felt it did as well for for large periods of the second half but again it, it comes down to how much penetration they have in the final third and for me they don't quite have enough and whether that's combinations or, or whether that's I mean Sheffield United are excellent defensively and they uh, Again, frustration is, is the word I use because I don't think it was a Sheffield United side who were on the top of their game today. Um, obviously, similarly to Norwich, probably a, a little bit tired, a little bit jaded from the FA Cup midweek, albeit they had a, a day more to prepare, although I don't think the game came down to fitness. But um, I think, I think that's, that's where people will look at it and go, it was an opportunity missed because if, if Norwich did come and, and, and impose themselves a bit more... and. Again, I think it's no secret what Sheffield United want to do. It's about how you stop that. And I felt they were much more effective in the second half when they used that system and they had Dermich. But again, it comes back to how do you connect the thirds because actually connecting the defensive third to the middle third, absolutely fine. It's then the middle third to the final third, which is the problem, and then obviously creating something beyond that. So it's always it just feels like they need a bit of individual brilliance to win games as opposed to perhaps highly polished finishes, particularly away from home. And it just... I, just don't feel like they possess that enough but it was good to see him be proactive because that's what supporters want to see at this stage of the season when things are so desperate and they do need points and they do need wins you have to be seen to be trying to influence a game and I felt they did influence it positively um, but yeah as Tony said that, that triple save aside by Henderson they, they didn't really create much um, to be honest I think Lewis had a volley didn't he in the second half and, and that was about it um, it was probably a fairly even game but yeah, we're talking about one bit of quality as we seem to do every week in this division and that's what wins you games isn't it? the big thing for me I think with Sheffield United is they are just so confident at the moment their, their touch across the pitch was great they look happy in the way they do it 50-50 second balls yeah they're effective yeah they're, they're not they're fans not right on right behind yeah this great atmosphere at Bremer Lane always is they're great fans they really get on top of Norwich in every way and that's what a home crowd should do all right, they're not the the friendliest bunch uh, at times, but um, <laughs> that, you know that that's, your home stadium should be intimidating like yeah. that. And I, I I've got massive respect for the way they go about things because you think about the way that Norwich play, the chances of them scoring, like you sort of hinted that there, Connor, are that they are relying on um, that those sort of attacking intricacies and through balls and things like that. Whereas Sheffield United, it's quite simple. Mm. They're using those centre backs and they're using the wing backs. 
and if they haven't got the ball, everyone's bombing into the box trying to cause problems. And then you look at the midfielders, they're all putting in crunching tackles, they're all determined, they're all fully motivated for their manager. It's not, yeah, it's not difficult football, is there's it? There's an intensity to their work, isn't it, individually and collectively, and I think Norwich... Well, it's a commendable trait to be measured and uh, you know trying to be precise and surgical, but you know it feels a little bit anemic and, and too laboured when it doesn't work because, as as we said, second half Sheffield just literally sits in. With Norwich are not going to cause them any problems, and it's too easy. Norwich are too easy to play against. Um, they need to find that devil somehow. I mean, they had it in the championship, so whether it's just the levels that they've got, they've gone up against better players. Better coach teams, better tactical setups, and they haven't been able to respond. Which is a deeper debate about: is it Farker up to the job? Is it those set of players they've got? Um, but they've lost that intensity, certainly away from home. Car Road, less so. I think you know when, as you rightly say, Dave, when when that home crowd are rocking at Car Road, then it is it is every bit as intimidating for an away team. We often hear about opposition fans, players, managers saying what a hard place Car Road is when it's up and when it's in your face and um, I think that's easier to do at home but away from home they've been so poor this season really um, you know Leicester aside they won at Everton obviously but we, safe to say Everton wasn't particularly great in that phase and Marco Silva was in his last days of Empire but Leicester aside I can't think of too many other decent away performances Newcastle well they have plenty of chances Tottenham yeah. I think stands out doesn't it as, as one Tottenham, that perhaps yeah, they yeah, should have got a point from you know we're struggling to sort of string together six decent away performances and that's nowhere near enough even though you're a newly promoted side and everybody knows you probably need to get the bulkier points at home <coughs> that that said they really needed to be better away from home whether that was in terms of resilience or in terms of clinical edge and yeah. I think when the dust settles at the end of the season and we all probably feel now it's going to end up with relegation and they do their debriefs if the whole <laughs> thing is set up to come back again they're going to have to be a lot better in terms of what they do away from Carrow Road. I mean. Let's break in there and hear a bit from Josip Dermic, uh, the man who played the second half and who scored the goal at Tottenham, of course, on Wednesday in, in the FA Cup. Um, the triple save we're talking about from Dean Henderson, uh, who, of course, is on the verge of the England squad. Looks like he's going to be going to the Euros. It comes from an Emmy Buendia cross. Ben Godfrey powers a header down, gets down at his bottom left corner, keeps it out, and we've, we saw the goal line technology, didn't we? It, literally two-thirds of the ball is over the line. That's how close it was to Norwich getting an equaliser in the 78th minute, I think it was. Mario Brancic follows in, tries to force it in. Henderson keeps him out. There is then a hint of handball, so it... From that point on, VAR may have intervened and, and ruled out. When Dermich then comes into the uh, scenario, he's divide, uh, denied by Henderson from close range, and then David McGoldrick manages to hook the ball over the bar and away, and, and Sheffield United survive. So, as I say, Josip was a little bit nervous about his English, but it's great to hear from him because we haven't had the chance to interview him. Um, you know, he obviously only came to England for the first time last summer, but here is what he had to say after the game. A busy week for yourself, but firstly, today's game. Um, are you guys pleased that you at least managed to fight back in the second half? Um, I was just trying when I come in that I give everything from my team and try to be like ready from the first minute but it was so close so, so really really close I was front of the line and we or I can't put the ball over the line and I'm just uh, disappointed about the situations and about everything but uh, what was positive for me, for my teammates, is 
that we put everything inside that we get this goal that we make the one one but um, we wasn't uh, successful maybe a little bit unlucky maybe next time but uh, I like uh, I like how we how we act in the second half we was just ready we want to to be different than in the first half in the first half we did a lot um, things that we don't uh, do like normally do but I think uh, the second half was a good direction of the first half and looking back at Tottenham how did it feel to score that goal in front of 9,000 Norwich fans yeah it was amazing feeling for me so Tottenham one of the biggest and nicest stadium in England um, it's always nice to be on this pitch and then um, to, to score by such a such an important game it's uh, incredible it's, it's, it's a nice feeling it's um, I can't describe it because um, I live for this I dream for this I work for that and for this moment and I was just happy just uh, very happy also after that when we when Tim catch the catch the penalty it was like explosion for everyone <laughs> we saw it on the pictures and it was on the TV it was amazing amazing feeling really Right, so Dermot, yeah, you talked about it a little bit earlier, Pad. Uh, so, Connor, if I come to you on this, mm-hmm. how um, how likely do you think it is that he is starting against Southampton when we get to Carrow Road next Saturday in, in, in one form or another? Because the, the only thing with today you could perhaps argue is that um, he played 120 minutes on Wednesday, and I don't think any of us expect him to start this game on the back of that, did we? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think in, in terms of what I think, I think it's it's probably fairly unlikely that we'll see him just because the way that, that Pookie enables them to play the way they do. But equally, if, if, if I was in Daniel Farker's position, the key word for me is, is variety. I think he offers a little bit of something different that Norwich don't possess, a bit of a physical presence, someone that they can actually play off and play off the second balls if they need to. I mean, I don't, again, I don't want to make too many direct comparisons to, to Sheffield United but you look at the way they play today they could play vertically they could play horizontally they could play into their strikers they could play out wide um, I think in terms of their midfield I think it's the closest I've seen to the way that Liverpool deploy theirs in, in terms of it's just functional um, it can it can support and it can defend and it, it does the job that it's supposed to do and that all rotates around Billy Sharps and, and Ollie McBurney's movement so if Norwich can get a tune out of Josip Dermic and perhaps he gives them a bit of an aerial presence which they certainly don't have from, from an offensive phase at the moment and Daniel Farker spoke about physicality recently in the final third, he certainly offers that so something yeah, a, a little bit different will we see him for Southampton? I highly doubt it certainly from a, from a starting position unfortunately um, because I think on balance probably does deserve a go um, I'd be disappointed not to see him in the starting lineup. Yeah. But I think a lot of people will. Yeah, absolutely. But I, 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 just, I can't see Daniel Farker going about Timmy Pukie, I'm afraid. Has that been, do you think that's one of the problems of this season? You talk about Sharp and McBurney, but they've got Musse and uh, McGoldrick. McGoldrick, yeah. and yeah. he wrote, like rotates yeah, and he starts. Yeah. And Musse was what 13 million from Bournemouth yeah. as well. Yeah, wasn't but it? potentially. I, I think. Yeah. Again, it comes back to an over reliance, doesn't it? I think the way they play. He's so reliant on, on Timmy Pukki because he is technical and he does help with those combinations that they're trying to create. And, and 
I don't again. I don't want to come here and, and say it's a lack of a plan B because that's quite lazy because we know what they're trying to do, and and Puki is the best striker for what they're trying to do. But if he's not informed, then you have to look elsewhere. It's the same as any other position in the team, and all Dermich can do is is keep coming into the team and providing performances. But again, would the team have to adapt to him playing as a as a single striker? Again, I'm not sure. So. I think it's, it's a difficult dilemma, but Daniel Farker's got a week now to work on it if, if that's the way he wants to go. He'll know. I think we certainly haven't seen from Timu what we've seen in the, in the first half of the season. It's difficult to carry on momentum, I think, when you're in that, that runner goal scoring form. So, would I like to see Josip Dermic? Absolutely. Um, do I think Timu Puki won't be in the Norwich starting 11 next weekend? I, I can't see it, I'm afraid. No, the only way I see of getting them both in is. You know, similar to what we saw today in terms of a four-four-two, um, but I would, you know, I think we've talked about three at the back uh, a lot over the last couple of years, haven't we? And it's generally not happened because the uh, players haven't been available. So Christoph Zimmerman's back next week. Is it worth trying something new? Because I think that was the important thing to, for today was for Daniel Farker to be seen to be trying something different rather than just going over and over again, persevering with the same thing. The same so what? What? You know, why don't you stick? Hanley in the centre of um, Godfrey and Zimmerman. Get them playing like O'Connell and Basham did today for Sheffield United. Lewis and Aarons, we know that they're suited to playing a wing-back role. And frankly, any of Campwell, Buendia, Puki, Duda cannot complain if they are not in that starting 11 as far as I'm concerned because they're not scoring goals at the moment. So if that means that you get can get Dermich and Puki up front and really go for it, um, and so what would your midfield three probably be something like McLean, Vrancic, Tetty um, maybe Tribal I wouldn't have thought so, I wasn't too impressed with him at Tottenham on Wednesday, <laughs> something along those lines I think it's important that Daniel is shown to be uh, trying something different in this situation because they're heading to the Championship at Six Sounds um, Daniel did talk a bit about Pookie's drought though didn't he? He did, he did he said he needs to score a dirty goal whatever one of those <laughs> is a damage yeah. goal basically uh, yeah, yeah. Is, is that what Steve McLaren was it Steve McLaren he said it wasn't a real goal? oh yeah is that what he classed yeah, the dirty that's goal? probably would do yeah, yeah. which is literally hits him just goes in and he doesn't know too much about it and he reckons if he feels it it's one of those moments and then maybe the confidence will start to flow back not so sure I think as I've said it for weeks now he just looks like a man just the edge you know you can physically and mentally when he's been in those shooting positions you touched on Newcastle Tony he had two or three of the opportunities he slotted at Leicester before Christmas didn't even think about it you know he's got Kasper Michael running out he's got Soyuncu closing him down not a problem cool composed rolled it in the far corner he's had plenty of those opportunities subsequently and um, he's snatching at them you know or he's pulling them wide or whatever and and I would fear for Finland, if I'm brutally honest, because if he's the main man, I think he's going to get to the summer and the tank's going to be empty. So um, I wouldn't be putting too much money on Finland doing anything at the Euros, personally, uh, without wanting to disparage our Finnish <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Please don't take offence. But, uh, yeah, he looks he looks a shadow of the guy who was ripping it up all before him last season. And um, partly confidence, yeah, but I think it's a lot of to do with the workload and the injuries he's had now. He, he's just not as sharp and... For me, something has to change at the top end of the pitch. Now, whether it's you giving more support, and that is a Dermich, clearly, or an Eda, we're not even talked about him, but mm. we might be getting to a point where the tipping point is being reached and it's about next season now as much as it's about the current league season. We'll, we'll hive off the FA Cup issue. But in terms of the Premier League, if that is gone in the next week or two, I'd be then looking full steam ahead for next season. And for, me, for me, that would be lads who I know are probably going to be involved next season. 
get them in, get them in now because it's all then it'll turn to not limply bowing out um, with a tail between the legs, but trying to show signs that okay, yep, the summer's going to be a bit tricky in terms of the squad refresh, but that we're ready to hit it hard at the start of next year. And I think if you're a Norwich fan and you saw Adamida playing a few games and showing a few little bits and pieces as he has done, I think there'd be a bit more positivity around the place. Can I just come in with some Timmy Pukki numbers just on the minutes he's played? He's played uh, 3,279 minutes of football since August, which uh, for some sort of context is, is more than he played for Bromby in, in his last season for, for his entirety. So that's, that's a lot of football, isn't it, since August? Yeah, I mean, the last two years he has played a lot of football, hasn't he? It was 36 in 56, 36 goals in 56 games it's for not a young country man, last season. I mean, I know you can get into the debate of not being able to spend money, but it's partly not having backup that you can rely on because obviously Dermich was injured. Yeah. Mm. Obviously didn't want to throw Eder in. No. And then there's no one else, is it? I mean, it's the, ba- it's the balance because they've stated this almost as if this is a, a key pillar of what Farker and Weber wanted to do because they inherited, certainly Weber has talked about this, a bloated squad with far too many players. And when it got round to a Saturday afternoon, far too many knew there was going to be nowhere near the 18 that breeds all sorts of negative vibes around a squad so they wanted to go the opposite direction have a slimmed down streamlined squad that you could supplement with younger players but everybody felt they had an opportunity now that's fine but that's a very fine balance and if you then hit them with the amount of injuries they've had unfortunately it's exposed far too many areas of, the, of that group of players and they haven't had the depth to cope with those injuries and you could say well that's just a very unusual circumstance you know you draw a parallel with the, the amount of minutes the Sheffield United back three have played pretty much ever present all season so okay they haven't had a lot of luck in that area but you'd still and Weber was open when he sat down with us there after the end of the January window they didn't get it right in the summer they didn't back Daniel with the, with the recruitment and that's been proven to be the case and it doesn't matter whether you've got a million as Daniel keeps talking about 1.7 million or the 70 million he, he suggested Sheffield had spent whatever you've got you've got to spend it wisely and you know, I think again the reality is when the dust settles they will look back and think we didn't really get it right in either of those two windows because of, I mean Duda Duda for me does not look like a good piece of business well, all, all three loans in the summer have exactly gone, yeah but pending but have all gone so what does that tell you what does that tell you yeah but they got it wrong the life of a striker hey you know the first few months of the season he just had to look at a ball and it went in the back of the net for club and country and you know all of a sudden I mean I still think that toe injury is the yeah. fact that he was played incessantly while he was carrying an injury has contributed to all of this massively as yeah. I wrote at the time and as I was criticised for at the time but I'm sorry it's turned out to be correct he needed a rest at the time his injury um, he, he has lost his flow hasn't he he doesn't look the same player uh, just, it just shows again how, how reliant they are on him Very, because yeah. it, again and it, it does come back to the point you're saying it, it's trust and it's Again, Dermot has, has had his own injury problems this year. And, yeah, if his and hamstring that, hadn't gone, either. then maybe the, he would have taken his chance earlier. A- absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, and it sort of sums up this season, doesn't it? It's what if again, because mm. there's, there's clearly something in Josip Dermot. I think I've, I've, we've, we've all seen that in, yeah. in, in small cameos. There's certainly something there to, to offer. And, and I mean, you only have to look at his pedigrees and, and his career to see that that's the case. And again, had injuries not have uh, played him as they have this season, then. Pookie might not have, have, have had to have played so much football and it's it's a shame for him more than anything else because obviously Norwich aren't now reaping the rewards of a, a fully fit, I suppose is, is, is the term you'd use, fully match fit, fully uh, mentally fit Timu Pookie and, and that is 
again, as, as we're seeing now, what they've not scored two goals in the game since December, I think that's right. So it just goes to show that their goal output at the moment isn't good enough. And and, and it, when Timmy Pukki's not scoring goals, it, it seems Norwich don't either. Mm. When in was, the league, of course. Yeah. When was the injury? Was it November? Leicester. Leicester. He scored the goal. December. Scored the goal at Leicester. Then he was. Uh, then he got his toe done. Then he got put through the exact same chance by Buendia in the same game when he was playing on, and he missed it. So I wonder if, say, take him out for however long, I don't know, a month, six weeks, sacrifice him then, and he'd come back. Mm-hmm. Would it have been different now? Uh, I sp- yeah, I, I suppose the the counter argument to that is that if they do that and <laughs> and they play Adamida yeah. and he doesn't score a single goal, then fans are going to be looking at it the other way. So it's it's a, it's a really difficult one. I guess hindsight's good. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, he didn't get many points but in but December but anyway. But <laughs> say that, but looking at those features, you thought that could be where it could be, and ultimately it probably will be where it was decided. You know, there was a lot of Been winnable away, games, yeah. winnable games. Palace, you know. Tottenham weren't in the best of states at that point. Even the Wolves and Sheffield United well, fixtures. In fairness, most of those games you mentioned, they went ahead in the first half. Yeah, well, we've talked about this already. Yeah. So it's, it's not all down to that, is it? It's game management, it's, yeah. it's all sorts. Well, Dermic finished third highest scorer in the Bundesliga one year, didn't he? Was it 2014? So you don't do that unless you've got something about you. And he, he you know, has international pedigree as well. I think it's 10 goals in 32 games for Switzerland, isn't it? Yeah. Something like that. So anyway, from Simon one. Jackson, <laughs> come off the man. Come, come <laughs> off the you want to get Simeon Jackson back? Well, remember he had that great end of the season. That he could be influence. Yeah. 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 Oh, could he be the Jackson yeah. of this Seven season? Seven wins from nine. Come on. Well, <laughs> it would be nice, certainly, for moving forward as well, like you said earlier, Pad, yeah. uh, in terms of building towards next season. Um, from one end of the pitch to the other, though, um, let's hear a bit of uh, Tim Krull after the game at Norwich City number 1, who, of course, was the hero of the hour at Tottenham on, on Wednesday night and uh, with those two penalty saves. And, and we spoke to Tim a lot this year, and you know we've always told you about how much of a, of a good guy he is, and I'm sure all fans see that from his interviews and his... Um, public appearances and stuff but this is probably the most despondent I've heard Tim um, in terms of it's sort of getting to the end game now isn't it and they were really disappointed they didn't manage to get something because with the results going the way that they did if they had have snatched that equaliser late on and and we'd have been travelling home with a point and, and a creditable away draw the whole complexion of this podcast and, and Norwich City life right now would be different tonight wouldn't it and, and the, going into the rest of this weekend so here is what Tim Krull had to say after the game. Yeah, that's football, unfortunately. Uh, one night you're on a massive high and then now it's a massive blow again. Um, that's why I always have to try to stay level-headed. Um, as a team, you need to look at the facts. We've, I think we've done enough today to at least walk away with a point. We had some massive chances, but I think that's been the story uh, we've been saying uh, many weeks now that we need to be more ruthless. You know, We hit the post uh, the second half. Where the, I don't know how the ball didn't go in, to be honest. Um, so like I said, to come here, it's a difficult difficult place to come here and many teams have problems to, to get something at this place. But like I said, it's, uh, I thought we'd done enough, but again, we're standing here with empty-handed. That moment we switch off, we let a cross come in. I think we've, we're a bit under the cosh then, there was a lot of corners, a lot of crosses and that's the, the manager told us to, uh, to try to stop because that's their strength, we know that. They love to put the ball in the, in the box and it's uh, unfortunately, uh, it's part of the odds. If you get 20 crosses in the box, maybe one goes for them and that, that was what happened. Do you think um, Wednesday had much of an effect on today in terms of the energy or did you all feel yeah, reasonably recovered? I didn't feel like that to be honest, no. no. I mean, of course, uh, maybe one or two felt maybe uh, heavy legs, but 
No, because we train really hard normally uh, in the week. So we, um, like the manager said, we probably do more load on a Tuesday, Wednesday training than we did even in the in the cup game. So uh, yeah, that that was definitely not the case. Just following on from Michael's question as well, teams who play three at the back, that sort of formation, that seems to have been one that has troubled you guys at times this season. Um, did you see that, that second half of that, that felt like it worked, it kept their defenders busier? Yeah, we changed to 4-4-2 and um, we put more pressure on them higher up and I don't think they created anything in the second half and that's the difference. I, I felt the first half they they really put a lot of crosses in and I felt that we struggled, uh, a lot of corners and like I said, and then something will will drop. So how pumped are you guys for Southampton at home then? Because it's, it it's be. sort of last chance saloon. Yeah, right? it has to be. We know that. I, I don't want to put it on last chance saloon, but we know that the home games are the ones for sure we need to uh, we need to win or else you don't deserve it. Just finally, I know you're sort of fresh off the pitch, but mm. quarter-final against Man United at home. Again, it's sort of separate to the league challenge, isn't it? Mm. But that's, that's a great one to look forward to. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that at the moment. Like I said, we, we, we follow, we look at Southampton and then uh, we know that Carroll Road will be buzzing for that game. And to get into Wembley, of course, but the main aim is to stay in this league and, and that's the frustrating part because I feel like we've got enough in that change room, but we, we haven't showed enough just yet. Thanks, yeah. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Right, let's have a quick look back on that FA Cup game then, as we're talking about Tim Crawley. You spoke to him in the aftermath of that game, didn't you, Connor? And yeah. um, he was, well, they were all <laughs> floating on air, really. The <laughs> first quarter final in the FA Cup since 1992 for the club. Yeah, he, he was, and he was the hero of the night, wasn't he? And um, I mean, it was an exceptional individual performance, a, a brilliant psychological performance. I mean, the way he, uh, he 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 won that psychological battle was was good to witness. Actually, very very interesting. I think from from our perspective, to to see about how a player puts himself in a situation and 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 sort of. Um, Carries that on on his shoulders, I suppose, and and he, again, everyone had confidence in him, which is um, for a goalkeeper, I, I suppose, is excellent because but he loved the attention being oh, on him, yeah, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we, what we were, we were listening to the radio on the way back, and there was a Spurs fan who called in and said he was he was turning around and uh, perhaps trying to, uh, to showed him <laughs> the water bottle. He said, he's, he's, yeah, 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 that's that's, that's, that's it. Knew, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, he's he's done it before in, in the 2014 World Cup. I'm sure for in, in his mind, these these two uh, achievements don't really don't really compare. Obviously, doing it for your country and on, on the World Cup stage, in a quarter final as well, yeah, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. it far been good outweighs if everything. Sheffield have got a penalty today because that. It must have added to his value pretty much. You know, yeah. he's already going to be one of Mo- Norwich's most in-demand assets potentially in the summer. Because yeah. uh, I mean, Wilder didn't he mention? When they're talking about Henderson, yeah, Henderson going cruel. back to Manchester United. Uh, well, yeah, he's saying cruel at yeah. the top of his game. Yeah, well, he, he basically because they they were making a lot of that Henderson triple save at the end, yeah. and he said he's kind of that's what he's there to do, make big saves. Quote: I see the Norwich keeper every week making big saves. That's yeah. what top keepers do. So surely, I mean, surely the clubs are going to be looking at him. Surely. Well, I mean, if Henderson, I mean, just there, stop there. If Henderson is going back to United and United aren't loading him back out, Sheffield United need a keeper. Ooh, that's a big call. You could see it, couldn't you? You could see it. But just for just for him personally, I mean, what a what a rise he's had, comeback. really. Yeah. yeah, comeback. Yeah, when when you think about the way his his Newcastle United career ended, which I'm I'm sure was was painful for him. Um, he, he then had to go to Holland, didn't he, and, and suffered a, a knee injury and had to come back from that. It was second choice at Brighton. I mean, he, he probably felt really that he was in he was in last chance saloon and. 
again, the beginning of his Norwich career, lots of questions raised about him. Obviously, he hadn't played a full season, had he, in a, a couple of years by that point. But the way he is, uh, he's, he's adapted to life in the Premier League. I mean, he's thriving. He's, he's, he's been superb. I think he'll probably be Norwich City's player of the season. I don't think anyone can can really uh, can really argue with that if, if he was uh, if he was named because he's he's been massive for them not not just in terms of his shot stopping abilities and, and the way he commands his area but equally the the leadership he's given that that back four which is young a lot of the time um, I mean Grant Hanley's not not exactly old even though you perhaps look at him as a bit more of an experienced figure um, and and he is a, a little bit of Premier League experience that they don't have elsewhere and I uh, I was kind of thinking earlier if, if they had a Tim Krul figure in midfield, then this season might have been a, a, a little bit different. Well, whatever happens with this season, you know, they, it's quite possible that they they just sort of fade away to relegation, and, it, and it's all over in April. It's horrible to say that, but it, it's That's the reality, spirit. isn't apart it? From the effect, <laughs> yeah, apart from the effect, exactly. Of final, yeah. it, might, it might be right. Cause behind closed doors no one will see it oh, <laughs> let's not go there let's hope that we're not doing it. Uh, uh, we're not going to be talking you, about how that how old are you again now Tony well, I'm pushing pushing 70 oh yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll have to stay at home <laughs> oh no 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 no, no. <laughs> in case you're wondering what we're talking about of course you may have heard of this thing called coronavirus it's not really getting much uh, no. in, in the way of media attention but um, no one's mentioned it a report on Sky Sports that's uh, suggesting that um, people over 70 may not be able to attend games um, that is not in any way confirmed uh, or even confirmed yes, as being is. a definite plan at this point uh, Roy Hodgson almost laughed it off didn't he who is over 70 yes. and as Connor you made the point earlier in the card Dealey Smith Michael Wynne Jones both over 70 as well so uh, as are plenty of people, the season ticket holders at Cameron Road so let's very much hope it doesn't get to that point particularly as we've got a brilliant game to look forward to whatever happens in the league and if they are back at Heading back to the championship, you know, we're going to have a lot of time to dismantle that, have a real post mortem, and they'll head back to the championship hoping to bounce back, hoping to be a yo yo club, hoping to follow what Burnley did, etc. But a home FA Cup quarter final against Manchester United, that is going to be some occasion, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Mothering Sunday is probably going to be on as well. Uh, well okay, that might be great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's, that's the one shining light now for what's left. Obviously, you hope they prolong this survival battle as long as they can, but effectively one game from Wembley because that's where the semi-finals played. So, um, no doubt United will go in heavy favourites, even without Rashford, who appears still to be on the comeback trail from injury. That improves Norwich's chances, but you look at the two league games and both times United were very comfortable in both games. So, so we've talked a lot in this last 40 odd minutes about Farker having to reinvent himself a little bit and how his team sets up and the personnel he'll certainly have to do that for that cup tie because the two times they've played United this season it's been a bit of a procession really so they owe them really don't they he's got to get thinking cap on yeah what as in Norwich needs some pace or how to nullify their pace Norwich against both uh, in both those games they seem to struggle dealing with pace and Norwich at the other end don't really have pace I think, I think the old Trafford affair, they were so focused on trying to stop the counter-attacks that they sort of yeah. forgot about everything else. They shut them near to their box, didn't <laughs> yeah, they? And then exactly. all, that, all that allowed us the Juan Mata yeah. to conduct yeah. the orchestra. And now they've got Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. He was, he 
was just left on his own, wasn't he? Yeah, Eder up front, yeah. Like they, they had a young lad up front who had to play that day because Dermot and Pookie weren't yeah. fit. And they did him absolutely no favours at all, did they? They were lumping the ball long to him, just yeah. desperately trying to get rid of it. They they sort of disappeared that day. And that, really, that's so. the thing, just just to touch on Eder, finally, that, 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 that's the thing with the development because that can go the other way then and yeah, that can, yeah. that can uh, knock oh, his confidence yeah. and... Again, you, you hear of all these players that disappear off the radar and, and they'll certainly hope that doesn't happen to him because he's such a talent. Fans demanding yeah. him to play, comes on against Norwich, doesn't get much of the ball, misses a penalty. What, what does that do? Conversely, Adam Eder has a bad day at Manchester United. Next time we see him, is he comes off the bench at Tottenham, does well in general, and then that penalty. Oh, that is, that's got a little bit of traction on social media, hasn't it? He's the second man up after McLean had missed. Thankfully, Lamella had missed for Tottenham, so it's poised at 1-0, Norwich's second spot kick, and he just breezes up, puts it top bins, top right corner, and the look on his teammates' face of, of wonder, of what... Has, has he just done yeah. that? That's incredible. Yeah, when, was, when, when, he, when you're that young, though, it's like Michael Owen in 98. You know, they, they don't understand the enormity of it. Yeah, it's just maybe. like they, they can process it very simply, and it's like, oh, I've got to smack this. I've done this mil- millions of times in yeah. my career. Coincidentally, so. you don't see goals like Owen versus Argentina anymore, really. Do you, you don't? You, you say that on Ida. I was, I was speaking to, to Grant Hanley after the game, uh, and he, he made the point that Ida ran back to the halfway line and essentially asked him whether the goalkeeper had dived the right way or not. He said, I don't know if that's because he, he was just so focused on putting it where, mm. where he said he was going to put it or whether that was nerves, but I think it goes to show. And Tim Cruel later said uh, that, that he essentially told Ida, just don't do anything fancy, just put it in the bottom corner, <laughs> go back to the halfway line, yeah. and he decides to, to do that. So it was an excellent penalty, full of confidence. I'd, I'd like to think he'll get more game time in, in all of the remaining games. Yeah, yeah he's got to, hasn't he? Absolutely. doesn't matter what the keeper does if you go in top bins. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> as long as you nail it and don't hit the post or the bar. Anyway, I think that'll do. Thank you very much for listening. It's about time we headed uh, across the border back into Norfolk and um, s- started uh, started turning our attentions to uh, a home game where, you know, if they don't get the win next Saturday, then uh, it's entering the point where we can say it's then last chance saloon and just a case of when rather than if. So let's hope very much that they can keep things alive with a home win and <laughs> the results go their way because that's what it's going to take at this point, isn't it? Thank you very much for your time, chaps. Let's hit the road. Thank you very much for listening. As ever, if you get a chance to leave us a rating or a review, then that's always very much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in contact with us, you know where we all are on yeah. social media. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, Ho- hopefully, hopefully not. not. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and we are at Pinkin on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening. We will catch up with you very soon.